God bless you guys. Uh, I'm very excited to be here today. I truly are. You know, that introduction, and thank you, brother. Uh, my wife wrote that. So you see the whole, you know, Pancho and Peluchin, my dogs involved there. It's because of my wife. So, but I'm very excited. Now, let me ask a question. Can, can, do, do I need the mic? Yeah? Am I good preaching like this? Or you want me to preach with a mic? Come on, give me hands. Can I preach without the mic? With the mic? I'll do it with the mic. There you go, brother. <laughs> but I'm very excited to be here. Um, you know, yesterday, last night, I was talking to my wife, and, and I asked my wife, when's the last time I preach in English? You know, and she was telling, ooh, you know, you haven't gone out since we started church planting because we stopped taking invitations, so probably like 2018. So if you, you feel a strong accent, right, it's, it's because of that reason. I preach in Spanish. You know, we're in Fairview, New Jersey. We're a couple minutes away from the George Washington Bridge, like 13 minutes away. We're right there. Uh, we're a heavily uh, Spanish-speaking community, uh, immigrants from uh, South Central and the Caribbeans. Uh, we have our service actually at 1245 today, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited. Actually, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, uh, I'm going to talk to James, see when he comes back. I would love to bring my young people because I see a great number of young people here. So I would love to bring my young people one of these days, you know, so we could all worship together. So I'm very, uh, I'm very excited to be here, and thank you very much for the, for the invitation. Um, so today, right, uh, in our church and, and in our communities, we, we start celebrating uh, Holy Week, and today we what we call the Palm, Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of the Holy Week. And it's an event, right? Events like Holy Week, it's is, is, is awesome, it's great, because it's a tool that God uses to remind us of what God has done to Jesus Christ and how that is great for our lives. Exodus 12, 14, we see that it states, this day shall be... For you are memorial, uh, memorial Day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statue forever, and you shall keep it as a feast. That feast were given to us so we could remember what God has done for us. So Israel was constantly having feasts, and the reason why is because we quickly forget. We're very forgetful people. We're people that forget where we come from, and we're people that keep forgetting what God has done for us. We see Isaiah 5.12, it says, They have lyre and, and harp, a tambourine, and flute, and wine at their feast, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the works of his hand. Israel had a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And the reason we constantly keep falling in sin is because we keep forgetting what God has done for us. We keep forgetting who God is. So we have a time. Holy Week is a time of rest. I come from Guatemala, and Guatemala is a small country next to Mexico. And, and, and they go on vacation, they start a vacation uh, on Friday. It's a time that everybody goes to the, to the farmlands back home or to the beach. Or, you know, it takes hours and hours. There's so much traffic. And, and it's okay to take a break. But my only issue is that not only is it physical, a time of taking a physical break, but it's also a time of taking a spiritual break. It's a time that we get close to the Lord. It's a time that we keep remembering why Christ is the Christ that we need. So we're going to be going through Matthew 21, 1 through 11. It is a, it, it, Christ is a king. You got to remember, uh, biblically, a king is someone that guides his people through prosperity, health, and safety. The idea of a king is good. God is a good king. 
God is a great king. God is the king that Israel needed. So we see that God is the king that we need. So we see that individuality is not great. We see that when we start acting when we start acting like individuals, when we don't join our church, when we don't separate from the Lord, what happens is that we start going into sin. Depression. I work in a, in a, in a child welfare. I deal with a lot of depressed children, a lot of depressed young people. And I notice the reason there's a lot of depression is because they don't have somebody that loves and cares for them. I constantly work with, with young people with mental health issues. And people that really what they need is to be cared and loved. You know, I, 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 I just encountered uh, uh, on Friday a young man who had a breakdown in school, broke the windows, broke the mirrors, had such a, such, you know, he, his mouth, every single bad word, even bad words that I have not heard for such a long time. You know, and everybody was just thinking, bring the police, arrest them, right? And I just approached them and I said, look, either you go to jail or, or you allow me to help you. I'm here to help you, okay? You could curse. You could tell me every bad word. I'll listen to you. And he just stood there, and he told me how much he hates his life, how much he hates that his mother was involved in gang and she was killed in the gangs, how much he hates that he's a result of a man who raped his mother, how much he hates that he doesn't have people that love him, that he's gone through homes and homes and homes and research homes and, and foster homes, and nobody wants to keep him. And after he just went for an hour and a half of just anger, he just says, thank you for listening to me. I'm ready to go back to my foster home, and I'm going to behave. What happened that he went from cursing, telling everybody he was going to beat everybody and he's going to kill everybody to going to the place and said, I'm going to behave. He found a person that was going to listen to him. He found a person that actually sat down and actually asked him, how do you feel? You see, when we become individuals, we stop being loved. And we go into depression. Or we go into substance abuse because we find security in substance abuse. Or we see marriage problems because they don't have guidance. We see that independent people try to do their own system. They try to have their own marriage in their own ways. They try to have a family in their own ways. They, have, they, 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 they try to be the person or worship the Lord in their own ways. And, and days like this remind us that we have a sovereign king. A king that not only saves us, but he wants to grab us from our hand and teach us how to worship, how to lead our families, how to be loved, how to protect, and how to feel safe. You guys in New York City, a beautiful city. I love this city. You understand? Except for the parking issue. Besides that, you know, everything is great about this city. But you know how many people need to be loved? I work in social services, and uh, I encounter two things. I encounter a lot of people that hate people. Have you guys gone to motor vehicles, you know, and they just hate people? You know, I, got, I work with people that just hate people. It's like the reason they started working is because they wanted to help people. So what got somebody that wanted to help people to hate people now? Because they did it without guidance. They did it without Christ. They did, to try to love in their own way. So the way you love people 
and you continue to love people is by what? It's by loving how Christ loves. Guidance. Guidance. We all need guidance. I have a beautiful wife. I have three beautiful kids. And only God has kept me in that family. My wife is great. But the problem with my wife, that my wife is a sinner like I am a sinner. So if I expect my wife to provide the love that I need, I'm going to fail. See, my love and my guidance comes from the Lord. So when we start studying the scripture, when we start studying the Lord, it's not somebody that's far away, but somebody that's very close to us. Somebody that grabs us from our hand and is going to teach us, is going to guide us. So how do we love people? By feeling the love of Christ first. So Matthew 1, uh, 21, 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Unite them to bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you should say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for this beautiful time that you've given us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the men and women, Lord, that, that you have gathered in this place, Lord. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will glorify the Son so we can learn about our Father, Lord, and we can live, Father, in a manner, in a way, Father, that honors you and glorifies you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. So the Lord is presenting himself as a king. He starts coming to Jerusalem, and he's doing it in his own way. This is very important. You have to understand that a lot of people wanted to dictate the times. But he's showing us that he is in control. A lot of people wanted to put Christ in a position of king, but the king that they wanted was somebody that resembled David. And as much as David is good, right, and we learned the stories about David, that David is corrupt. There's nothing good in David, just like nothing good in us. But something great in our Lord. So the Lord is taking the time. He's showing them, he's showing them uh, how to do the things, who they got to look for, the donkey that they got to get, the coat that they got to get. He's making sure that things are done in his way. Why? First of all, because Christ has his own agenda. He has his own agenda, and he's not submitted to our agenda. And this is very important to us, Christ followers. We have to start understanding that we, the people, want to complete our agenda. We go to our church how we want to attend our church. We go to the worship that we like to go to the worship. We're in the community that we want to be. You know, if we live in the United States, and I see always, I have a church, right, in Fairview, and I see always pe people that visit our church. And the people that visit in our church are people that are seeking, right, they're seeking another church because the church that they were in didn't like the worship or didn't like the preacher. So they come to me and they start meeting with me and they're like, look, I, I like this church, you know, I like the worship and, and, and I like the preaching, you know. And I ask you, okay, so would you, uh, yeah, last Sunday, I, you know, I just, I just left my church. And that's a red flag. That's a red flag. That's a red flag to me, you know. Because I understand that they're not seeking guidance from the Lord. They're seeking comfort for themselves. 
And that is, our pro- that is my problem. My problem when it comes to the Lord, I come with my own agenda. Have you noticed our prayers sometimes? Our prayers is like, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I need. Basically, it's like, Lord, come to my agenda and complete my agenda. And our Lord is not that way. The reason we pray, A.W. Tozer explains, the reason we pray is not to move the hand of the Lord. It's for our hearts to be submitted to the Lord. I have nothing against asking the Lord, this is what I need. But at the end of the day, my heart, my prayer has to finish with this. But Lord, let your will be done. So if you want this sickness in my life, give me strength to endure. Huh? If you want the issue in my life, help me endure during this time. Because God is not here to complete my agenda. I am here to submit myself to Christ and for me to go under his agenda and serve the Lord and worship the Lord and learn how God wants me to learn and worship. So I got married um, 12 years ago. And uh, um, I was in in an unhealthy church. And two years into my marriage, we were talking about divorce with my wife. Oh, yeah. And when she said divorce, I was like, oh, I'm down. I'm down for that. You know, and, 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 and it was so bad that my pastor had to take me. We, sh- we used to be leaders in a, in a denomination to events. My wife, my, uh, the pastor's wife used to pick my wife and take her. And my pastor used to pick me up and take me because we were just arguing. We're just arguing and fighting all the time. It was two years, and we're like, oh, we're going to quit this. This is not good. Until we realized something. Through prayer and through scripture, we started noticing that the problem in our marriage is that we were trying to do it our way. You see, I wanted my wife to be what my mind was telling me what a wife's supposed to be. And my wife wanted, a, wanted me to be the husband that she thought that husband was supposed to be. Little did we know that God already told us what a husband is supposed to be and a wife supposed to be. So we started learning the role of a man and a woman in marriage. We started going into the scriptures and started learning, hey, this is what God wants. Even though we didn't like it, even though we didn't want it, eventually we started working on that. And you know what, we got, we're going to be 12 years in, in, in the summer, and it's been great. It's been amazing. Huh? The D word, divorce, hasn't been brought up since then. Why? Not because we don't have issues. We still got issues. We still got problems. Yesterday we were supposed to go on a date. Date didn't happen because my daughter started throwing up all over the place. You understand? And, 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 and you know, it's like we're, we, we left the house. We're excited. We finally went out. We're, you have three kids. One day is amazing. It's like a holiday. You understand? And then, you know, my mother and my father was like, hey, listen, your daughter's falling all over the place. I can't take care of her. I was like, okay, here we go. You know, we went back home, you know, and she just threw up all over the car. We have a brand new car. She just threw all over the side of the car. And we're like, oh, Lord, here we go. So no date, no issues. And I started getting a little bit upset, you know. And, 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 And I just wanted to say, you know what, I know it's throw up, but maybe tomorrow I could clean it. Tomorrow morning, I wake up early. I just want to go hang around with my wife. But I know the role of a husband and a father. I'm supposed to sacrifice myself for them. I'm supposed to take care of my daughter, nobody else. So I took her out. 
we shower her, you know, we, I, you know, I, 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 she didn't want to go to sleep, so I just went in the bed and fell asleep with her. I, I cleaned the car, and by the time we sat down in our bed, I mean, in our um, living room, it was 12:15 a.m. You know, and I'm 43. 12:15 is like four in the morning, and I just looked at her. Look, we're just gonna eat dinner, and we're done, right? It was, it was good. It was good. And she's like, yeah, you know what? At least our, our, our child's in bed. And she was like, fuck. Ten years ago, I'd be like, hey, no, we ain't doing that. But Christ has molded our marriage. That's what a sovereign Lord is. He has an agenda. So Christ wants to make sure that we understand that he has an agenda. And second of all, Jesus did not want to be compared to any kings of the world. Every king is corrupt. Every king is corrupt. 1 Samuel 8, 10, 17 says, So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, this will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and point them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before the chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifty and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and equipments of chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and the barnyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tent of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to work. He will take the tent of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. Kings. You know, God said, hey, kings, he will take the Lord is saying, listen, I know you don't want me as a king and you want another king, but let me give you, let me give you a heads up. Let me give you the red flags. He will take. He will take. That's the key. He keeps saying, he will take. He will take. He will take from you. He will take from you. That's not what a king's supposed to be. A king's supposed to serve you. A king's supposed to teach you. A king's supposed to walk with you. So the Lord doesn't want us to compare him to any king. Christ is not like this. And the problem is that we, we, are, we our minds have this, this idea of who Christ is supposed to be. And my friends, Christ is not the Christ that we have in our mind. That's the reason we have to go to our Bibles and learn scripturally who is Jesus Christ. You know. Fried chicken. I love fried chicken. I love fried chicken. It's amazing. I just love it. But when I think of fried chicken, I think about the Spanish restaurant in Guatemala. It's called Pollo Campero. So if you invite me right to your home and you're like, Eddie, bring fried chicken, what do you think I'm going to bring? I'm going to go into Fairview Spanish restaurant. I'm going to ask the Pollo Campero chicken, and I'm going to show up with that fried chicken, and you're going to look at me, this is not fried chicken. But why? Because my mind is already molded to think that this is the type of fried chicken it is. But if I go to a Korean town, they, they, their fried chicken is totally different. I remember my uh, Korean restaurant that I went, and I started, started tasting that chicken. Hey, this is not fried chicken. This is not fried chicken. This is not fried chicken. Oh, my African-American friends in Patterson, 
I got to Patterson, and even they fried chicken. I'm like, whew, this is totally different to my fried chicken. Why do I tell you this? Because we are so molded to think what a king's supposed to be. And the Lord is showing you, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I'm not what you think. And you know what happens when we go away from the Bible and we start uh, uh, learning about Christ without the Bible? We start worshiping an idol. We start creating an idol. You know, in my life has been constant repentance. Constant repentance. Why? Because constantly I'm creating a Christ in my mind that is not true. Constantly I'm creating, I'm worshiping a Jesus Christ that is not real. The Bible shows me and it's showing you that the problem is that we're programmed to think in a way that, and that has created Christ in our mind. But we must understand that Christ is sovereign. That he's a Christ, he's a king that is a serving king. He's not the type of king that we, we used to. So verse 4 to 5 says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to your daughter, O Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a beast of a burden. He came, he's looking for a donkey and a colt. This is not bad, this is not Jesus putting himself down, but actually in the Old Testament, we start noticing that the priest who came in a donkey, man, he came to serve and to be a blessing. So he's a Christ that comes with his own agenda, and he's a Christ that comes to serve us. How many kings have knocked on your door? None. None. How many politicians have come to the door to help you? They just come to my doors to ask for something. That's not Christ. Luke 5, uh, 5.30-32 says, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumble at the disciples, saying, Why do you... Eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call, uh, I'm sorry, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus sits with sinners. Jesus sits to come and bless. I warned my church today in the service. I told um, last Sunday in back of uh, the building next to our church, I found uh, seven homeless young people who were indulging in marijuana and alcohol who explained to me that they immigrated uh, from Mexico and Guatemala, have nowhere to live. They were beaten up, dirty clothes. I provide them, uh, 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 I provide them uh, um, hygiene products and food, and I tell them, look, next Sunday, you come, I'm going to invite you to lunch. Now, they will, the first thing, uh, I'm dirty, I'm clean, that's okay. That's okay. Now, I know I'm going to go to church today, and I'm going to have some people looking at them like they're aliens, right? So I told my church, hey, listen, I invited seven homeless to our church, and they're going to be fed. They're going to receive the same thing you guys receive, so I want you to take care of them. Our church cannot be just a building. Our church needs to reach out. Why? Because Christ is reaching out to us. Christ is a Christ that serves. Christ is a Christ that's serving us. I mean, who in here needs help? I do. 
I still do. I still do. So Christ is showing through this process of a going, calling for a donkey and a colt that he's a Christ that's coming in peace. He's a Christ that's coming to serve us in our times of need. In our times of need. And my brothers and sisters, we are in need. We are in need. So he comes and he's teaching us. He's teaching us also that he's a Christ. When he chooses this type of animal, he's choosing to show us what holiness is. Numbers 19.2 says, this is the statue of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer without defect in which there is no blemish on which joke has never come. Not only is the Christ that's coming to service, but he is the Christ to show us what is right and what is wrong. What is right and what is wrong. What is right and what is wrong. I have a, a, a son. He is uh, six years old. And I, I, I love him. You know, not only because he's good at soccer, my favorite sport, but I just love him who he is. Uh, but the other day, um, he said a bad word. And I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, where'd you get that from? Right? And he's like, no, you know, I read it. I'm like, what'd you read it? He's like, I read it in a graffiti. I'm like, he just started learning. Uh, I mean, he just learned how to read, so he's just reading everything. Every, one of your kids just read everything. He's in the street, so he's reading every sign and everything. So he read that word. And, and I'm like, my little dude, you read everything out of everything. That's the word you memorize? <laughs> you understand? And, and, and I was like, okay. You know, and I got, you know, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to start teaching this kid the right and the wrong. And, and I started telling him, look, that is a bad word. I really can't tell you what it means, but it's, 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 it's just bad. And I want you to trust me, to trust me. That every time you want to say that word, you remember that dad told you that this is a bad word. And I'm telling you right now, one day I'll teach you why that bad is. It's the F word, so I can't explain the word is right now. He sits on me. So I was like, listen, you, you need to uh, trust me. And he's like, dad, I trust you. I'm never going to say that word again. But I know that eventually, you know, he'll probably fight that temptation, right? But, uh, you know, he... Christ is teaching us when he comes in a donkey that he's serving us, but he's also teaching us what holiness is. We got to constantly be reminded what is correct because our heart is so corrupted. Calvin says that our heart is a, una fabrica de idolos, it's a fabric of idols. It's constantly creating idols. It is why we constantly need Jesus. To present himself as a king that we need. As a king that provides the freedom that we need. Uh, I've been to Cuba a couple of times. I love Cuban people. The community, the church is beautiful. It's great. You know, uh, uh, you know what I love for them, about them? Even though right now they have more, but, you know, I used to travel over there and there was no TV. They're, they had seven channels. Uh, they have the Cuban, two Cuban channels that was constantly propaganda, communism, right? They had three Russian, and the rest of it was Chinese. They were all communist. They were, they were, there was nothing to watch in those TVs. It was like the most boring TV that you could have. There was no reason to have TVs. There was no internet. 
So there was, there was no reason, you know, a lot of people don't need computers or iPhones because they have no internet, right? So, but you know what they were? They were biblical. They were biblical. People that were studying the scripture and the Bibles constantly. People that were just seeking the Lord in prayer. They were praying the Bible. They were singing the Bible. I remember I used to come and I used to go, hey, you know, Hailstone came out. They're like, who? They're like, okay. And I used to be like, where am I? And it was such a great time because they were just, they didn't have. The blessing of them is that they did not have. They didn't have. They didn't have, they didn't have luxuries. They didn't have the cars. They didn't have the jobs. They didn't have none of that that we have. But you know what they have? They had a Bible. And they concentrated in the Bible and they learned the Bible. And they, they are great teachers. Teachers that, you know, I, I'm still learning from them. And why do I tell you this? It's because they're, they're, sometimes we're so stuck in our own ways, our American ways, that we keep forgetting. We keep forgetting that even though we're not addicted to drugs, we're addicted to so many other things like social media or television. We spend more time in our TVs than in our Bibles. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. I went to Orlando two weeks ago, and he got back with families and children. I didn't go to Disney. I went to watch soccer. You know. That was my time off. And then I went down there, and I just, the, the plane was so packed with children and families fighting and angry. And, and they were all going to Disneyland, you know. And I looked at my wife. We idolized Disney, haven't we? You know, and I looked at her, look. I know you want to bring kids to Disney, but we're going to missions this year. We're going to missions. And she goes, why? Because our children need to start learning uh, that Christ is beautiful and great, not only in our own colors, not only in our American ways, but they need to start going to the mountain and start preaching the gospel to the children too. So we started changing our, our ways, our home. We started deleting applications. We started, we started having our church, our service on Monday nights, on my days off. We started doing all this stuff. Why? Because we want to make sure we learn about Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the one that is going to bring freedom. So Jesus comes, comes. He just, his agenda, he comes to serve. He's a messiah. King, and what he's trying to do is trying to teach us about freedom. And with this, I'm about to finish. Already, freedom. Freedom is what we need. Freedom. You know why I was a bad husband? Can I share with you why I was a bad husband? Because my dad was my role model. I wasn't free. I thought I was free. No, I, w I was molded by my father. His chains of how things are supposed to be done at home was all over me. And why was my father that way? Because he was, his grandfather was the same way. And why was his grandfather the same way? Because my great-great-grandfather was the same way. I was not free. I was not free. That's why I was a horrible husband. And that's why God needed to free me. Constantly bring freedom. And you know what this past year God has started showing me? That I need to be free from some 
American Christianity ideologies that I have in my mind. I do. I do. I truly do. This idea that the American church is the best, oh, man, you guys got to go alliance up there. There's some great Chinese missionaries learning that they're doing some amazing things in China. Let me tell you that. You know, go, go, to, go to some countries in Africa that they have in church. There's no mega church over there. There ain't no money for mega church. Uh, there's 10, 15 gathering together, and they're just learning scripture. Oh, in Salvador. Oh, man, I, I went to El Salvador to preach, and I remember uh, going to this big, big place. There was like over 300 people, and they were just walking from the mountains. There was no way, no cars to get there. And I went, and I preached for 45 minutes, and I was done. And the pastor goes, hey, you got to get up there. People didn't come, they didn't walk two, three hours to just hear 45-minute preaching. I was like, I'm done. I already went through the verses. Oh, you better start praying for each one of them. He goes. And I started, I started there. Listen, there was three hours. I was sweating. It was so hot. And it was such an amazing service. Oh, in India, Chennai, India, uh, <laughs> I met some beautiful, beautiful, kind Indian families. Kind Indian families. And you know how many people were in the church? Three people. In their homes. Why? 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 Because they were learning what Christ truly is in the Bible. And the churches around were not biblical at that time. And they understood. And it was such amazing worship. There was no guitar. There was no keyboard. There was no microphone. It was just a worship from the heart. And it was great. Why? Because Christ brings freedom. So he's a king that we must submit. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on the cloths and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloths on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Osana, the son of David. Blessed is, the, is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Osana, in the highest. Submission, submission, submission. Did the disciple question Jesus? Did the disciple say, you sure you want me to do that? Huh? Can I just go to the market and buy a donkey? Can I just do it the right way for me, what I think is the right way? No, they submitted. They didn't question Jesus. They didn't say, well, you know what, if we do it this way, it's going to be different. No, they were like, you know what, this is what you want, this is what you're getting. And then the crowds, they put the branches, las palmas we call in Spanish. This means strength. They were recognizing in Christ there is strength. He is our Savior. But most beautiful is that they started putting the clothing on the floor. Their clothes. I mean, to you and me, putting our clothes, it's okay, right? Because we have a bunch of clothes in our houses. To them, no. They didn't have much. You know what putting our clothes on the floor meant to them at that time? We're submitted to you. We're submitted to you, Lord. Submission. Why submission? Because it's what the flesh does not want. It's what the flesh does not want. But Christ is submitted to his Father. 
We see it through the word. He says, it's not I that speaks, but it's the Father. Imagine if we live in a place where we're totally submitted to Christ. Imagine if before we leave our house, instead of watching, seeing, do I like what I'm wearing? I start saying, Christ, do you like what I'm wearing? Hmm? Do you like the way I'm speaking to my husband or my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend? Do you like the way I'm parenting? Do you like the way I'm acting at work? I understand why social workers hate people now. I worked there for 15 years. And some people just do not want to change. They don't. They don't. So when somebody calls me and just arguing and fighting and fighting and fighting, and I just want to answer back, Lord, what you want me to do? How you want me to love? How do you want me to talk? How you want me to treat them? How you want me to deal with the situation? Because I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of this person. They just don't want to change. They're just taking abuse. Abusing the system. And constantly, what, what, what will Christ do? I abuse the system. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly being a rebel too. Mm-hmm. So deal with them as I deal with you. Submission. 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 Because Christ is a Christ that knows it all. And Christ is a Christ that fight for us. And when he entered Jerusalem, and the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and brought, who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be should be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. He fights for us. He fights. What's the first thing he does when he comes to Jerusalem? He goes into the temple and he corrects the temple. He wants to make sure the temple is going to serve the way it should be supposed to be serving. They're not supposed to be selling sacrifice. People are supposed to bring the sacrifice. He goes, he's a Jesus that wants to fight for his people. And he's a Jesus that is not asking us to be submitted because he's a bad rule. No, he's fighting for us. He wants to save us. He wants to change our lives, my friends, my brothers and sisters. He's fighting for our lives, for us. He constantly, that's why he sustains our salvation. That's why he teaches us how to worship. That's why he teaches us how to pray. That's why he teaches us how to study the word. That's why he teaches us everything. Why? Why? We don't read the Bible because we are a good Christians. We don't read the Bible because that's what Christians do. We read the Bible because he's guiding us through it. We sing not because this is what the community does. We worship because we are so happy and excited for what the Lord is doing in our lives. I love how the sister and the brother are worshiping. We have like five or six worshipers on our team, right? And I just feel so intimate when there's just one person leading worship. When we started service, it was something like this. It was something, when we started church planting and uh, our worship leaders, they were just late. They were late. Service was supposed to start. It was a prayer service. Supposed to start at 7.30. It was like 8.20. They weren't there. And we're like, oh, fuck. 
And then this, this lady came up to me. She's like, listen, um, I'll lead service. I'll lead the worship. And I, I went, do you sing? I'm like, at home. I was like, okay, cool. Just go ahead. I'm not, you know, I, 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 this just start service. And she started singing. And she's not talented. She doesn't know how to sing. She don't, doesn't. But it was one of the most beautiful worship service we had. It was just her heart. She was just singing. And she led us in worship. And the congregation was worshiping. And the worship team comes running right now. Like, no, you guys sit down. She's doing a great job. She's doing an amazing job. She started opening the psalms. And she started singing the psalms. I mean, you know, in our countries, we, 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 we um, hymnos, hymns. It's our psalms, los salmos. Right? We would just put music in the psalms and, and sing them like, you know, the old school church. She was just doing that. And it was just God speaking through scriptures and she was just singing and it was just beautiful. It was great. It was amazing. You know why? Because we don't need a whole worship team. We just need one person that is willing to stand and say, Christ is here. He will lead us in worship. You see, La Mana Aksa, that's her name, Aksa. She's from El Salvador, right? She understood something that many of us didn't understand that time. When Christ leads, we're going to be okay. Because he's fighting for us. She stood up there, you know, she sang, and later she goes, this is the first time I ever sang. La primera vez que yo he cantado en frente a las personas. It's the first time I ever sang in front of people. You know that? I'm like, yeah, I noticed that. I didn't notice that, you know? But I was asking, pero por qué lo hiciste? Why did you do it? And she goes, Cristo es suficiente. Christ is enough. She goes, we don't need the guitars or the keyboard. We don't need, we just, you know what? We just need to open the Psalms and start singing the song. And I was like, wow. That was, that was one of the best impacting service that we ever had in our church. Why? Why? Because Christ spoke through his word, and we sang that word, and we felt so free, and we felt that we changed our whole, we changed our whole worship that day. We started singing hymns. We started uh, 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 singing the Bible, worshiping in the Bible, because he's enough. And God is, Christ is the king that comes to seek us. So I want to I wanna pray for each one of you. Not individually, as a whole. Don't worry about it. I want to pray. I just want you guys to just sit and, and pray. So in, in my marriage, something I understood during the time of learning about what a husband and a wife supposed to be, I started realizing the issue that I was trying to make my wife the person that I wanted. Little did I know that my wife is the person that I needed. It's a whole different thing. It's totally different. You understand? And, and, and 
and we spoke to each other, I remember, and we sat down, and I said, I need you. I need you. There's a difference between I want you, but I need you. And many of us do, many of us need to start understanding that we need Christ. The Christ of the Bible. We need him. Not for your wants, but for your needs. Not for what you want, but for what you need. There's a huge difference between that. What you want, a lot of times it's not good enough. But what we need, he could provide.